The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, this is Thomas Doherty. And I'm Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, where we talk about climate change and happiness and climate change and other kinds of emotions. So this is the show for people who are feeling and thinking deeply about climate change and how it affects them in their personal life and in their families and communities and their roles as citizens. And um, so we're back back at it here. It's morning for me, it's evening for Panu. I'm getting going here on a, on a fall morning here in the Pacific Northwest. How are you feeling today, Panu? How's how is life going for you? Thanks for asking, Thomas. It's getting late autumn in Finland, so we are approaching what we call Marras. That's the title for our November Marras Kuu, ah, which, which means sort of the time when everything in nature looks dead. So, <laughs> so it's that it's that time before the relief of the snow comes, or at least it used to come. So, so it, it's a it's a time to think about how to maintain one's energy and for me for example the time to pick up the bright lamp which i have on actually also now the sun is just setting in in helsinki so, mm. so but, uh, how, how are you doing on the west coast thomas um you know we're doing pretty well i uh, i love that that uh, that uh, finished word for november marast too mm. yeah yeah, I was um, celebrating some of the fall season with my daughter, my daughter, age 14, and we went, what we do here in Portland, there's a farming region right outside of Portland that you can go to, to to go and get pumpkins, which we celebrate. And one of our traditions for the Halloween season is getting pumpkins and taking a hayride and being out in, and on a farm. And so we were, we were enjoying the, the autumn season uh, and so that's, I'm glad you bring that up because that is a, a positive, uh, piece of it. I do love this, this autumn season my, myself and our weather. We've had some really, as you know, crazy weather here in the Pacific Northwest recently, but we are having a fairly calm autumn season, more traditional feeling one and the leaves on the, the trees, the deciduous trees have become really beautiful colors, bright reds. And so we're, we're feeling that, um, and the leaves haven't fallen yet either, so we haven't gotten to that dead, <laughs> the dead season that you described yet. So um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was thinking about our our, our conversation um, and this I- idea of our podcast. You know, feelings, climate, emotions. Emotions are our primal physical sensations that we have. Feelings are the language that we use to speak to our emotions, right? And that's different all over the world. Different languages, different cultures have different words for for these deep these deeper emotions. Um, a feeling that I came to just the other day was uh, inadequacy. Uh, unfortunately, that was a feeling that I was feeling 
which as we'll talk, isn't, isn't, isn't necessarily rational. I'm doing a lot of really good work and I know you are as well. Uh, but I was feeling inadequate to the task of climate change and just doing work in the world. And um, I don't actually remember what prompted it in particular. It was probably an interaction of my personal to-do list and, you know, my family, my family work, and then my idea of writing and my duty. I mean, climate change as an, as a, as a huge hyper object is interacting with my sense of my personal destiny and what I should be doing on the planet. And so it leaves me both inadequate. I also paradoxically felt like a know-it-all in the sense of that's an American term, know-it-all, but I felt like sometimes I was trying to tell people about all the different connections with climate change. And it's partly what I do for a living. I am training counselors and I am doing this podcast, but I also felt it wasn't so much a know-it-all. It's, I, I felt the need to make these connections clear for people that weren't obviously made clear. And so that was sort of the, you know, the impulse, like, you and I know there's people who've been working on this for years. There's great ideas out there. Whenever someone invents something for the first time today, as if it just happened, I say, well, that's not actually the case. People have been talking about this concept and that concept for many years. So I, uh, it can be a little pedantic, but it's also this urge to name the elephant in the room in many ways, even with justice. We've got a senator in the U.S. that's that's holding up the climate change legislation here and, and, and uh it's about the coal industry because the senator is part of the coal industry and the coal the coal industry in, in, in West Virginia is holding up climate legislation that can change the entire you know trajectory of the planet uh, and the media doesn't talk about this it talks about just the, some senator with some fiscal policy and they're not telling the whole story and so I think there's a there's also that inadequacy like no we have to get all the truth out so to speak so but anyway it sounds like you were also, resonating with uh, with uh, with that feeling from the Finnish side. Yeah, definitely. I strongly resonate with, with that. And I, I actually have been putting forth in Finnish a emotion word or feeling term called riittämättömyyden tunne. Now that takes some un- unpacking. Tunne is the word we use in Finnish language for feeling and emotion, so we don't separate them in Finnish language. And riittämättömyys, it means both not being enough and not having done enough. And that may sound like a sort of ultimate shame position, but it's actually between guilt and shame. And we use the same word riittä, for example, if you pour some water into a glass, then somebody says that riittä, that means that it's enough. For, so it's sort of context-dependent being in enough. And I've noticed that many people, including myself, very easily feel this riittämättömyyden tunne inadequacy, because the ecological crisis and climate crisis simply and challenges us in so many ways. It's very difficult to feel that you've actually done all that you should do or could do. So I think one of the actually most important emotional skills in the era of the climate crisis is to sort of learning to accept the ambivalence and, and limits, but also trying to keep going. So it's, it's a really tricky issue. I yeah, think. yeah. And I think it's important for listeners. I mean, I know many people listening around the world will be resonating with us. I can just guess it. If we, if we're feeling it, we're human. Other people are feeling it too. And so 
you might you you as a listener might feel like hey I'm 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 not even I don't even know anything about this area and I'm just listening in as an amateur and I don't feel like I'm being enough. Well, I mean, even the experts don't feel like they're being enough either. It's that's the that's the nature of the hyper objectness of climate change. It's 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 ultimately always bigger than our perception. And it's just a huge, a huge multi multifaceted area, multifaceted issue. Um, so yes, um, because you are working really hard, and I know you're tired, Panu, from traveling and doing all these interesting things you've been doing. So you want to let's let's flip the flip this over a little bit and say why? Um, in what way have you been being enough? What have you been doing? To, I know you mentioned some interesting travels and and the, your paper and Lancet and all this stuff. What's 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 some of these adventures you've had recently? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking and sort of turning it 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 around and sort of. How to how to be be enough, and I've actually been using during the last couple of weeks this very simple anxiety-related exercise, or it's sort of anxiety of responsibility-related exercise. But I think that that's a very fundamental part of what anxiety fundamentally is. You know, wanting to do something in the midst of the problems, and then anxiety of freedom, anxiety of responsibility being a major part of part of that, and then the possible anxiety of guilt also. So I've been writing lists, you know, to-do lists, and then very manually just overlining things that I've been doing. That's an advice I picked from some psychologists uh, at some point, and um, amazingly, because we are what, what we are that also helps you sort of get a bodily signal that you you've done something when you overline it and i just noticed another tip which i haven't done yet but i plan to do which would be to sort of write down all the things one has done in in a day i don't usually do that but that might be another another trick but are this this one's come com- uh, uh, familiar for you thomas have you have you been doing uh, i'll talk about the travels more soon yeah, no. What we'd say is crossing it off the list, and you know, there's a there is a funny thing where I'll, I'll make a to do list and write things I've already done just so I can cross them off. Um, yeah, the idea of inadequacy versus enough. Um, tell me, but tell but do tell me about your adventures there. I know you've been traveling, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 defi- definitely. And so because of the Lancets. Uh, children and young people, climate anxiety and their views about government climate inaction paper. There's been lots of uh, speaking assignments and media issues related to that that one. And one of them led me last week to the Ministry of the Environment in, in Finland. They were interested about the paper. And uh, one of these very high-level experts actually commented, sort of shared a very emotional thing and said that when he read the results of the paper, the first gut reaction for him was that, uh, what could I do more? So so it really sparked again, uh, something related to this feeling in, inadequate. And and I know, know him pretty well. He's a person who sort of does all that he can re- reason, reasonably uh, think, thinking. And he knows that too. So and uh, after a couple of days, he was able to, of course, to analyze the, the, the feel, feeling that he, that he got. But I think that's telling, you know, that people care about this states of the world and children and young people's reactions and would like to do more and uh, sort of struggling because there's only so much one can do and and stay stay functioning that's a real real challenge among these times and then the sort of other end of my adventures was a train trip and a bus trip to a place called Valtimo which is northern Karelia 
quite close to the Russian border and really in the midst of forests. It, it actually also already snowed a bit during the weekend. Weekend there, there, there's a group of people who have built what they call school of self-sufficiency, and a couple of old farms, and they are sort of keeping on the tradition of these ancient ancient skills related to growing food and building houses from wood and and so on. So, so they were also interested about environmental emotions and climate emotions, but it was a totally different crowd and space compared to this high-tech. Uh, conference room in the Minister of, of the Environment in Helsinki and then this old old farming house in, in Valtimossa. Mm. So that was uh, in many ways re- rewarding and nice, but I do find myself a bit tired after the travels, I have to confess. Yeah. Well, that's a great example of climate cosmopolitanism, right? This idea that, you know, you, you can move between different climate subcultures. This is a very concrete example of that. And you know, listeners can can know that, and I've I've done that as well. I've done in my outdoor therapy background. You know, some subcultures of outdoor therapy that are back to the land kind of approaches, and you know, indigenous living skills, and you know, making fire by you know friction fire by rubbing sticks and making arrowheads and tanning hides and and trapping animals and things like that. And so that's a very different subculture of sustainability than your um, academic you know, or policy subculture. And so it sounds like you were able to move between those yourself uh, fairly well. So you're, you know, practicing and exhibiting climate cosmopolitanism. Um, and, you know, you're, you can, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do kind of thing. You can kind of tap into this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice, nice way to put it, Thomas. Thanks for that. I I think co- cosmopolitanism can happen also in the countryside or in the woods. So, so it's not related to the policies so but yeah exactly it's different cultures that's the way i think about it uh it's different different cultures and then i think you're tired and you know you know like i say you know the despair is fatigue in disguise and so i think when we're tired um you know we 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 lose that i guess we get adequacy fatigue right you know our our ability to feel adequate gets gets fatigued or when we're fatigued we start to feel like we can't do enough uh, because our battery is low. And so, you know, everyone listening has to think about this. When your battery's low, you know, you're going to feel fatigued and then you're more prone to despair. And then that, that's the signal that you need to rest and take a time out from the game um, to con- reconnect with yourself and um, work on the foundation of your pyramid. You know, rest, exercise, family, um, diet, uh, sleep, and things yeah, like don't. that. Yeah, Thomas, I've sometimes heard you speak about sort of the pyramid metaphor that sometimes, you know, you're sort of building the foundations and sometimes it's like the pyramid is, is waiting on you. you know, do you want to open that metaphor for the listeners also? I thought it was it was rather nice. Yeah, it's something that I use with, with clients and, you know, Pan has been um, able to join in my therapy training group that I'm doing right now with mental health therapists and we were talking about that as a coping um, and I shared that with this, some high schoolers that I spoke to last week as well. Um, uh, the image is, uh, if you imagine a large pyramid that's upside down, so it's the, its apex is pointing toward the ground, and so it's really top-heavy. It's really hard to balance, and we have, you know, we we feel like the world's like this pyramid over the top of us. You know, we have a, a very small little triangle of resources in this huge this huge 
pyramid of, of that's infinite. It just keeps going, and there's all these different issues and things where we're we're thinking about, you know, politics and sustainability and social social movements and our lives and um, things like that. And it's just it's just really an overwhelmed kind of inadequate feeling in general. Uh, and uh, one of the, the the mental reframe is to flip that pyramid over onto its base, so it's nice and stable. Uh, and then we just focus on the on the foundation. If someone I'm working with, you know, is really tired, burned out, fatigued, depleted, um, discouraged, you know, we say, let's get back to the foundation, you know, um, and everybody has similar bricks in their foundation of health, um, sleep, eating good food, social relationships, their home, their, maybe their daily work, um, uh, family, their, their, their pets or whatever things around their home, um, it's a very human, it's a very human exercise. Um, and then, uh, and then if people have unique bricks in their foundation too. They might have a certain hobby or they might be a musician or an artist or certain daily things that they do every day. Um, and then we try to get clear on what your foundation is, at least in, in theory, some people have a lot of missing bricks in their foundation. Like they're not doing certain things that they, they want, or they just haven't been able to manifest yet. They might want to be in a relationship and they don't have one or something like that. Um, so it provides some goal, goal setting conversations as well. So it's all about this idea of personal sustainability is what I call it. You know, like let's get sustainable in your own, your own base of your own pyramid. Uh, and then the idea is organically, you'll have more energy and ability to reach up toward the top, which is where those issues are. Um, and there's a number of, directions there. I mean, the, the pyramid at the top is pointed. The upside down pyramid, infinite, it just extends, widens, and it never, there's no end to it. But the uh, pyramid that's on its base is actually has a point. And then we can start thinking about what are your priorities and what, what you know, and so it's, it's, it's just a metaphor. And I find it helps, it helps to ground people. Mm, yeah, I really, yeah, I really like that one. And it's, it's got many good dimensions like the metaphor of bricks also and resources and that, that type of thing and it also reminds me of a young person I met at this old farm at the school of self-sufficiency who talked about how earlier on he very often had this feeling of the pyramid he didn't use that word but anyway uh, resting on, on his head and head and shoulders and feeling very in, inadequate and now during what, what they do there he's often physically tired but because he can physically touch things and do things in an embodied holistic way that helps him to feel ad- adequate and feel feel enough so, mm-hmm. so and that sort of dynamic I know is possible also in urban settings when you do something with, with your hands and, and body so I think that's also one important re- resource uh, which can can help with, with grounding and getting feeling that you've done something and but uh, it also takes uh, uh, much psychological work I think and the old theologian philosopher psychologist Paul Tillich has been mm-hmm. important for me in that regard this 1950s classic courage to be which has these two dimensions courage to be oneself an individual and courage to be part of collectives but also the, then the more spiritual idea of accepting that you are accepted. Mm. I think that also from a secular point of view, that points to something very important that uh, it, it, it's not enough when you hear that, you know, everything, everybody's accepted, but you sort of have to be able to 
perform it yourself with the support of others. So there's this second level of accepting that you are accepted, mm-hmm. uh, that you're you're okay. So, but how does that resonate with you, Thomas? No, it's it's um it resonates. You know, I think this i this this idea of doing concrete action, like you were describing, of that person that was doing the the, the living skills. Um, there is something, you know, comforting about doing something that's concrete or with our with our hands doing some sort of project, whether it be knitting or cooking or painting or woodworking or repairing our, our home or building something or doing some sort of skill, you know, music or, you know, some sort of handiwork, you know, like blacksmithing or something like that. There is obviously you know, in the sense of a, a flow, a flow state in terms of psychology, you know, we have a, a, a concrete cause and effect and, uh, you know, we can get into a flow with these kinds of things. And so I think it is a takeaway for all of us to add some concrete things to our very abstract worlds. If we're only ever dealing with, with the abstract policy and sort of distant things, we, we don't get that, that payoff. And um, I know for me, um, and I know for me, when I'm working with people, that's concrete. Um, doing this podcast is also concrete. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm, I'm doing something, and uh, you know, the therapy training group that I'm, I'm doing now. It's ten week group, you know, with mental health people. You know, that's very rewarding because we're doing something very concrete, helping these counselors, you know, therapists learn about their own environmental identity and talk, and talk about their feelings in the way that we are doing. And so when I'm working with people. It brings out the best in me, typically my creativity, and um, you know my um, not necessarily being upbeat. Sometimes I work on really dark, dark topics, but even then, I'm, I'm you know creating space as we've talked about, holding space for others, and that holding space is a very, very concrete, concrete thing as well. So I think, yeah, I think one of the antidotes to inadequacy outside of just rest is 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 just doing doing some concrete things that we can sort of measure and, and feel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing, sharing that. That's very, very important, mm-hmm. I, I think. And, and it's, it's sometimes, sometimes also tricky because if one recognizes that one has got a lot of privilege as we Finns tend to, tend, tend to have, then there's also the dimension of, you know, wanting uh, and feeling like one also has to use that privilege to to help uh, the global dimension both the more than human world and then the suffering people around the globe so that sometimes makes the questions of and feelings of inadequacy even worse just today from social media i read from a very experienced finnish climate reporter who was telling that he's been or she's been totally fatigued now for one and a half years and one of the reasons has been this privilege issue of you know feeling the need to do do so so much then that's that's causing it but i was very glad that she shared about it op- openly because of course that's something related to other areas of work life in contemporary societies also the structural demands can be so high and when when you combine that with ecological awareness it can be quite heavy indeed yeah indeed so naming this 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 impulse to duty that we have you know we have a duty we have a in psychology terms, a social norm, you know, a, a, an, an expectation that we should be doing something based on our um, knowledge and our our ability to take action. You know, privilege is a kind of a touchy word, uh, 
but uh, in the sense that, you know, some people, it's not like people, you know, chose, chose their privilege. Some people just are in, they're in a place where they discover that they are privileged. Uh, but what that means is that you have resources and you have abilities. You have either ability to act or resources or choice. And that leads you to a sense of obligation, you know, a sense of duty. And so, you know, that's where the action is there. And the privilege is kind of self, um, self-loathing. Some of that is in, it gets into self-loathing. That's, that's an action as well. So I can, I can do self-loathing as an action just to, just to cope, but it's not, it's not a good coping skill. Uh, it's really about how, how do I, how do I channel some of this, the resources that I have in a good direction? And again, the psychology 101 stuff, I mean, it's either egocentric values, like my, my own personal protection of my family or altruistic values or uh, biocentric values, you know, for the earth earth values. And so we're going to have duties in all those directions. I have duties in those directions. Pano, you do as well. We need to rest so we have the energy to get in the game and, and, and work on things like that. So yeah, we've got a few more minutes left here. Can you, can you uh, revisit the, the finished word that you described at the outset so we can get that more clear in people's minds? Yeah. Yeah, there's been two. Of course, there's been the Marras coup, you know, November as the death of the summer month. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's riittämättömyyden tunne, feeling of not being and doing enough. Feeling inadequate is the most accurate uh, respondent term in English that I've found, but it's not exactly the same same, same either. And, and then there's the sort of the counter force or strength of acceptance. Uh, I've, I've liked the stuff related to so-called radical acceptance that mindfulness writer Tara Prah has been putting forward, for example. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because I see so much of this riittämättömyyden tunne inadequacy feelings among the people I meet in the environmental sectors. Yes. Um, Very nice, Thomas. Yeah. You, you, you're learning your Finnish. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, I'll have to get on my Duolingo for, for, uh, for Finnish here. Um, but yes, acceptance, radical acceptance. You know, um, yes, I, would, I will point out that a lot of people choke on acceptance. You know, they don't want to accept certain things. They seem to be unacceptable. But, you know, you can also think of it as just being open being open to a thing. I am open that it exists. I don't need to, you know, with some people, semantically acceptance means some sort of condoning or some sort of, um, you know, giving permission. And so, uh, but being open, and I think that's still in keeping with, with Tara Brock's idea of radical acceptance, is it's, it's living and being open that this thing exists and it's with me and it's next to me and I'm I'm involved with it and I'm open to it. So, you know, from a from a therapeutic standpoint, just feeling open to a thing and having that that this little bit of a distance from it, but being present with it and open with it is 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 also enough, um, you know. So and we 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 typically have enough energy to do that. Like we can be enough to be open to something. Um, I don't have to come down on one side or the other about my my uh, you know free feelings about it per se, but the feeling of openness, presence, awareness. Uh, so there's a sustainability there, the sustainability of being o- of being open as well. Um, sometimes I can get to a place where that's not fatiguing and I'm just open, but um, but that's that's the work uh, uh, as well. Well, as we go, this is another 
another uh, one of these these feeling words to add to our vocabulary list. Uh, this feeling of not being enough or not having done enough. Um, and I want people to be, you know, listeners to be thinking about their own feelings and and talking about them with others and finding some safe places to to, to think about them and express these things and we're going to keep doing that that work ourselves exactly and also remembering the sort of counter emotion of riittävyyden tunne which is then you know feeling enough and you know that that doesn't mean completely full or perfect but it's just you know in, enough uh, and that's after the end of, end of the day i think that's something that we very much need so taking a look back at the day and you know that's that's what it is and from many points of view, you just have to sort of look for the new morning and also remember to feel enough. Yeah, feeling enough. You know, what what I say in my practice is, you know, just imagine what I would tell a best, you would tell a best friend in the same situation. And so when we can't pull that out for ourselves, typically we would be able to do it for a friend. We'd be able to let a friend, a friend know that they are enough and if that friend had this exact same day as us, then we can transfer that energy back toward ourselves. So what would you tell a best friend in the same situation? That's a good That's a good mental hack. That's good almost all the time. So what would you tell your family or friends? If, are they being enough? Are they doing enough? Um, some of you might feel like some people aren't, and that's another conversation. Uh, but for the people that genuinely are, we need to be able to let them know. All right, Panu. Well, I think you're doing enough. And um, likewise. You're welcome to have a have a, a good evening over there and get some rest. And I look forward to chat again soon. And listeners, take care of yourselves. 